Hi, I'm Jillian Swinford. And I'm Haley Brolison. And this is Mother Nature Will Kill You. A podcast about the most horrific tragedies and the most triumphant survival stories that the wilderness can provide. So grab your backpack and maybe a bottle of wine and let's go on a wild ride into the unknown. Walking down this road I go, but I am going alone, running far, far from home, till I am skin and bone. afternoon or good evening whenever you're listening to this good day good (laughs) good day um Haley and I are here today with our you know sometimes co-host but full-time husband of Jillian yes (laughs) (laughs) this podcast started off as a way to stop telling you about all of the horrible things I read about and somehow you've been on like four times now yeah I think I think this is yeah I think this is four yeah it's all my fault <laughs> <laughs> so you got COVID and then you happen to uh be dealing with one of the worst hurricanes to hit Florida in a decade uh yeah if not the worst I they're saying it's like the like worst hurricane financially when it comes to like recovery and everything like it's the most expensive yeah yeah I so. mean it cut across the state pretty much the whole state was fucked <laughs> yeah <laughs> Unless you were in Miami. Miami was fine. Yeah, that that southeast side, you know, I'm sure they got like some flooding and everything, but, and maybe some winds, but my mom was like, first of all, my parents have been in Croatia for like the past three weeks. They just got back like the other day. Oh, fine. And yeah, so um, they were on, you know, a vacation with their friends for the first half. And then the back half, they did a lot of um, like family history traveling because like mm-hmm. my grandma's Croatian so oh, my dad's cool. mother and my grandma will go back to Croatia frequently and so my dad's never been and you know so the back half of their vacation was really like going back to the places that my grandma and grandpa have visited and my mm-hmm. grandma's heritage still has like villages and um, houses and stuff over there so they stayed with one of her distant rel- relatives and got to meet some family and stuff so that's cool um awesome yeah so they did that and then while they were overseas like this hurricane is coming and I know my mom and I'm like hey like just so you know if you've seen it already like we're prepared because <laughs> like, you know it's also like a six-hour time difference you can't really yeah. communicate effectively if you're a worried mother yeah and so um yeah she was like evacuate like you guys should just get out of there and First of all, like my boyfriend's law enforcement. So as a first responder, he can't leave. Yeah. So like he has to stay. But you know, we definitely went through the whole emergency preparedness plan. And um at the time we were in the cone and we put up our shutters on our house. 
Mm-hmm. And then when we check the 2 p.m. National Hurricane Center update, um, after we put the shutters up, we were out of the cone. So uh, we were like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I guess we're just going to like keep the shutters up, even though we're out yeah. of the cone now. And because it was coming pretty close to the keys. And mm-hmm. you know how hurricanes are. They can always shift. And mm-hmm. we had our shutters up, like, I don't know, almost a like not a week it probably like we put them up on like Saturday I think and we got the the most of it on Tuesday mm-hmm. so between like that time frame it had shifted signif- significantly back towards yeah. us yeah and so I was grateful we kept them up because my main concern was we have this big tree behind us and on a normal thunderstorm kind of stormy night um the branches fall and like you just there's some twigs on the around so I knew if there was like a tropical storm coming I was like either that tree is falling over or Uh like large branches are gonna be on the ground or like hitting the windows and I don't want the windows to break and then have all the rain come in so if we were gonna put shutters up on any side of the house it was gonna be the side that had that tree on it because that was really my main concern because we're on stilts we're like nine feet I think but like on stilts and like we're four feet above sea level. So like we got about 12 feet of space there, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, where we're located in our neighborhood, we're a, we're back from the canals, but we're still kind of close. So I was kind of curious how the storm surge was going to affect like the neighboring roads. Yeah. Um, and we didn't have any storm surge, but I also didn't drive around. So like I heard, you know, a couple streets down from us had storm surge and everything. Yeah. I definitely um, saw like on the Key West cams that they had, they got, they got storm surge, but yeah, not- Key West had a lot of problems too. Yeah. Like there's, I think there's like 400 ish homes that are unlivable now because of just what happened. And mm-hmm. um, there was a fire that started in one of these like condo building kind of places. Yeah. And uh, it, so like it's off Flagler. And so it's like this strip mall, but above them are condos. And so like an electrical fire happened and burned like a unit. So now mm-hmm. like there's a family that's homeless and a business that's like not a business anymore. Right. Um, but yeah, so the hurricane, I'm glad that it just skirted past us. But when my mom was like, you need to evacuate. I was like, mom, there's no safe place to right. go. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just thinking that because it's like it, you know, it was worse to go up north than to yeah. stay in the Keys, I feel like. It was. I was like, I'm honestly probably safer staying here because it's not going to hit us as bad as it would be up north. And yeah. like coming across the Gulf Coast like that, it's like it came across Gulf Coast to Central Florida and then up back the East Coast of Florida. So it's like you really can't go anywhere because you're going to no. be impacted somewhere. It's just about like how much less the impact is going to be wherever you yeah. go. Like my coworkers in Sarasota some of them have houses like right where the eye was hitting and so they evacuated to orlando but orlando was still a category one hurricane yeah 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 so it's like how much better like it's it's not it's better but it's but it's still awful you know yeah i mean fort myers just got annihilated like the, the tiktoks and like videos and stuff from like people who had houses in that area are so scary like that's 
worst case scenario. Yeah. And I used to live in Sarasota and I used to date someone that lives, or I don't know if he still lives there, but they lived in Naples, like Fort Myers, Naples area. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I just can't imagine like, I, I, I don't know when the hurricane hit there, I was just like thinking about like, you know, my past life moments like in those yeah. areas and I was like oh my god I'm so glad I don't live in Sarasota anymore but also like holy crap like I hope that everyone there is okay and it's just you know like our main aquarium and lab like one of the roofs ripped off one of the buildings but I guess mm. there was like a sub roof so like there wasn't too much damage but that was in Sarasota that wasn't even where like the eye came through that was, right. that's like right. two hours north of where the eye came through like yeah. are ripping off of houses so I, I this storm, yeah. like the impacts of the storm just were so like I, I don't know the right terminology for this but it's like I don't think people realize when a hurricane's coming through it's like oh like we're not like in this st- like the eye of the storm so we'll be fine but it's like no like the effects on the outside of the storm yeah are still very very harsh so yeah definitely so we yeah we put the shutters up on the house we like trimmed some trees back because there was like some side plants like that are from our neighbors that grew over to like our house and was touching it we just trimmed those leaves back and Mm -hmm. cleaned up the yard brought everything inside and like Monday and Tuesday uh we just waited it out because it was starting we were starting to see the weather effects of Monday night and then like Tuesday night was or Tuesday day really is when like it was really passing us mm-hmm. and then Wednesday we still had some weather from it I believe is what my mind is telling me but um yeah Tuesday night <laughs> my boyfriend and I are like oh like the new Top Gun is out on Amazon now like we can have a a movie night while <laughs> we're just waiting the storm out and like we had thankfully we had just made dinner so like that yeah you know we had just eaten we're like okay like yummy dinner and now let's just go watch a movie and uh yeah like 10 minutes after we said that the power went out <laughs> we're like all right I guess uh no movie and then we just like put some flashlights on played some cards and yep I had downloaded some shows and movies onto my iPad before <laughs> the power or anything went mm-hmm. out so we were just like watching Santa Clarita diet on my iPad <laughs> in bed. <laughs> and, but it sucks. Like, you know, without power, you don't have any AC. And so it's yep. hot as fuck down here. Yeah. And you have to keep the windows shut because there's the shutters. Are, yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, oh my God, it's so hot. Yeah. yeah. And so we were, we made a list for things that we need next time. Like, you know, battery powered fan would probably be good just mm-hmm. to like blow the hair around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, he has a generator. And we didn't get the generator started until the next day. We were 16 hours without power, which isn't anything compared to what the Gulf Coast is dealing with right yeah. now. Yeah. But I mean, for work the next day, I was like, all right, I guess I'm just kind of not working today until the power comes back on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, overall, I'm like really grateful that it wasn't as bad as it could have been down here. Yeah. And like work-wise, the corals and everything were fine. But Good. Um, yeah, it was just... My, it was my first Florida storm scare mm-hmm. and I think I would probably stay through like a category one and a category two but if it was anything like category three and higher I don't think I would be staying for it yeah we kind of feel the same for like yeah. a direct hit kind of situation like we're not going to stay beyond a cat one probably no yeah because that cat one that we dealt with was it was a little hairy we lost a tree 
Yeah, what you were saying about the tree, um, like worrying about the tree coming down on us, we had something like that with our old house yeah. where uh, in the middle of the night, we heard this really loud like sound Cracking noise. and we're like, oh, oh shit. And we went out and a big old branch came off the tree and it barely nicked the- um, No, it was a whole tree. Remember, it was right before we moved. It was the whole tree fell. Okay. Anyway, so it, it, like, <laughs> nicked, it nicked the porch and like there was just like a little dent in the porch, but it was literally like a close call. It was a yeah. close, like it would have taken yeah. out, which I mean, it would have just been the front porch, which, you know, no yeah. skin off our back. Yeah, but, but it's, you know, a lot of people just don't have an understanding of like how scary and destructive even a low category can be if it hits you like directly on. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I mean, what's the death count at now? In, it's over a hundred because yeah. like they're still doing recovery and so right. like that was the thing like my boyfriend like you know he's first responder and everything and so like when they work through storms like this they just pretty much are like geared up ready to go out but they like he was sitting inside working off his laptop you know waiting mm-hmm. for a call or something yeah. but like also I think another thing that people don't realize because you know you've heard it all before it's like oh I've been born here I'm gonna ride out the storm blah blah blah, blah. but it's like the first responders are not coming to save you until it's safe for them to come save you. So like you can try to stay all you want, but like, if you are trapped in the house and you're, yeah, if you need help, like you're shit out of luck until they can come find you. Like, so because they're only going to risk personal safety to a point where it makes sense to risk personal safety. I know. like, you know, when, there was like all the storm surge was happening on the Gulf coast and people are starting to like get their homes flooded and everything yeah. and like climb to their roofs or whatever they were doing. Like that storm is still very much blowing through and like first responders, like I, there were probably some out there. Cause I've, I saw some video of some like rescuing people from cars and stuff, but it's like mm-hmm. the majority of them need to make sure they're safe too. Because I also saw videos of like fire trucks getting flooded. Yeah. And then it's like, they can't go anywhere. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Like if they yeah. can't physically get to you and if they die in the process, then you you have those deaths on your hand and then also your your own, you know what I mean? And they can't yeah. help anybody else at that point. Which is why like there is no shame in evacuating. <laughs> no. <laughs> you think you need to evacuate. I had made a TikTok like while the storm was still like closing on, on Cuba uh-huh. and like, you know, we were starting to work through like our preparedness plan. And I was just like, oh, like I'm bringing, like, we have this storm coming, like I'm bringing some stuff in, like, you know, first start, first steps of like hurricane preparedness Mm -hmm. planning. Like you just bring your like porch stuff inside. Like, you know, you just start securing some stuff down just in case. And like the comments I got on that were like, really? Like, oh, I'm like a ninth generation Floridian. Like, I'm not like worried about this storm, blah, 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 blah. Like, and this was like a week or week and a half before it hit. Yeah, maybe not even a week and a half because I started doing this. I probably made that on like a Wednesday. I know it probably was about a week because it probably was like a Wednesday or Thursday. I made it and then like the storm hit on a Tuesday. Mm. And so I was just like, guys, I wanted to make another one just to be petty and just be be like, (laughs) can we just acknowledge like how quick this storm came through and how much destruction it got? Yeah, like it made on the, the Gulf Coast and like at some point fun of me for bringing in my stuff yeah. early sorry I like didn't want to think about porch stuff if I needed to like frantically put up my shutters like right. <laughs> or evacuate also, like, and have my shit ruined 
like that's the dumbest thing to be i just uh, the whole like it, if you're hurricane. staying you should try to secure your house like even i if know you're staying, like, it's like oh a big pee pee oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh big boy oh yeah it's just oh so God. dumb because like <laughs> i feel like every hurricane season i see the same comments from people yeah. And it's like, oh, like you're a wimp because you're trying to be prepared or like, oh, I'm not scared of this storm, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, when did we get to the point as a society that we make fun of people for trying to protect themselves and like their home? Like, <laughs> Well, and, it, and then it's the same people typically that are like, well, I need a shotgun and like an AR-15, all this shit to protect my home. Yeah, well, I know we have them. <laughs> But if that's not why we have them, we're not we're not fooling ourselves. They're your hobby. Well, that's 70% of the reason why I have a shotgun. Okay, well, a shotgun, sure. But it's you know what I'm saying? Like they make fun of other people for prepping for a hurricane, and yet, you know, they're oh, like, I see, I I see to- what you're saying. They like over they're like yeah, they're yeah. hoping for someone to break in so that they can bring out their like tw- their $2,400 AR-15 that's kitted out more than a riot gear. Exactly. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if it's any uh, consolation, um, my mom and my dad actually both were checking up on you via me. Aww, so that's, that's why nice I was texting you so much. So I'd be like, okay, there, she's fine. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nice of them. Yeah. yeah you we- and um, Amanda, who's up in Orlando, who. Yeah. Uh, how did she do? She seemed like she was okay. Um, I haven't talked to her a whole lot because I'm sure she's in the throes of making sure her wedding is happening. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. Two weeks. weeks. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. If it's not COVID, it's a hurricane. Uh huh. Which I was like, in October, it's risky. That is cheaper, but it's risky. You think it's too late for her to change uh, her theme to like post apocalyptic? Because it'll probably (laughs) already be decorated. (laughs) Right well it's in daytona at least so oh well it's always it's a little there. a little more protected i think but yeah and and it's not the only major hurricane that has come through recently because hurricane fiona happened i think maybe the week before some it was around the same time period and we didn't hear anything about it because we live in the u.s and unless it applies to the u.s we don't talk about it but yeah it decimated uh, Puerto Rico on the way to heading up to Canada, the maritime provinces. So like Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, um, yeah. and New Brunswick, those areas. And I guess that area is absolutely decimated as well. Like there's houses sliding into the sea Gosh. Um, because, uh, you know, there's more bluffs and rocky shorelines there. So they're up higher, but the storm surge still caused like landslides of houses like to fall into the sea. And so a ton of people have lost their homes there as well and I think a lot of people don't think about hurricanes impacting like New England and northern Canada but they can yeah I saw Fiona on the radar and I would I know yeah I know what you're talking about because I saw it like moving whenever I did like that time forward thing Mm -hmm. and I was curious I don't think I saw it like near Puerto Rico because I was probably not zoomed in or zoomed out far enough but like I saw it moving. I was like, oh, I'm curious, like, if there's any, like, civilization up there in Canada where it's hitting, because I don't know enough about, like, the northern parts of Canada. Mm -hmm. I just know, like, close, like, closer to the U.S. border, I'm sure, like, yeah, civilization there. But the rest of Canada, I don't know anything about. So, yeah, I wasn't sure, like, if it was just going to hit, like, land Mm -hmm. and, like, just kind of dissipate that way or if it was actually going to do some damage. Yeah. 
I mean, there's enough people up there that it it mattered. It's definitely more populated than other areas of like the Canadian wilderness. Like they have some major cities like Halifax and St. John, and it's Mm -hmm. a little more temperate there climate wise. So you do see more people um, because it's not like pure Arctic yet, (laughs) basically. It's more like Maine. Um, But yeah, so I, I was looking at new stuff from that. So yeah, hurricane season, she came. Yeah. Took a while, but she's here. There's always that one. They've got yeah. more Tim Tim Hortons per citizen up there. They probably they do. do have <laughs> at least one Tim Hortons per citizen. <laughs> I still have never had Tim Hortons. You know when Brittany and all of us were working together at Bims and she was like, Oh, you gotta have Tim Hortons. Like the best. Yeah. I like Googled Tim Hortons, like went out in Virginia Beach when I was in Virginia Beach and um the only Tim Hortons I found was on one of the bases. And I was like, I didn't realize it was on a base until I, until I started driving up to it. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to get into this. <laughs> Just trying to get some donuts, man. Yeah. So my uh, Tim Hortons experience was a failed attempt. <laughs> yeah. I uh, definitely had some when I went uh, to Toronto. But um, it's it's kind of like, you know, your Dunkin's experience, gotcha. coffee and donuts, you know, and it's yeah. more like a gas station kind of deal. Don't say Dunkins. I know I miss Dunkins. East Coast souls. Honestly, though, Texas has some good donuts. They I will, do. They have a lot of local chains that are are pretty good. Yeah, I've been wanting yeah. to try out Four Seasons around the corner because they also have it. boba tea. Yeah. Oh, I love boba tea. I know. I don't, but she does. Love it. Oh Little gosh. tapioca pearls. Yeah. yeah, I like the ones that pop in your mouth. Uh, I always get like a there's there's actually like an Asian market down the street on Big Pine now, and um, they have boba tea there and i went in one time with my boyfriend just to like take a poke around and see what was in there and i was like oh they have boba tea and so i had some and he's never had them before but i like to get the mango popping balls with like another like fruity tea mm-hmm. <laughs> i like i just like having the popping balls in my mouth is fun and, <laughs> and episode uh, title shameful for anyone laughing shameful I know. read your bible I know. And so he was like, Can I try some of that? And he tried it and he his facial expression. I was like, Do you like it? Like it's like I can't tell. And then he like tried to get like some of the popping balls and then like he sucked it up too fast. It went to the back of his throat and he like choked a little bit. He's like, Oh my god, like I was like, You just want to go slow. Jillian, your father listens to this. I know, he's fine. Everything's fine. All right, let's let's start talking about this topic that I feel like we've wanted to talk about for a while, but I wanted to save it specifically for spooky season because I feel like this place for me is like a very fall, like an autumn kind of place because we'd I always do think of this place when I think of fall. Yeah, because yeah. we would always go. We always went in the fall, winter, right before spring. Yeah, that's when we'd always go to this this area um and the reason i'm kind of being cryptic about it is because gotta build the suspense um so today because this place i think is pretty specific to all three of us and and very like tied to all three of us because of where we used to live (laughs) um uh we're all gonna kind of talk about different aspects of um this place um i'm probably I'm going to tackle the factual and the uh, survival aspects. Corey is going to jump into some folklore. 
And Haley's. Got- I got the cryptids. <laughs> <laughs> I got the spooky things that probably aren't real. <laughs> so today's going to be a lot of fun. And I am super excited to because today we're going to be talking about the Appalachian Trail. Woohoo! Um, so I'm going to start with kind of a background um, about the AT um, just so we can some, get some information. A lot of I've stuff I didn't wanted, actually know. I've um, always wanted to hike the whole AT. I know. I know I am not cut out for that. So I do little parts whenever I'm home. <laughs> well, there might be a way that you can do the whole AT, but in smaller chunks and yeah. still become an AT 2000 miler. So yeah. let's get into it. So the Appalachian Trail or the AT is the longest hiking only footpath in the world, stretching from Cahaddon. How do you say that? Katat, Katarpin, Katadin, Katadin, Katan. I don't know. Katadin Mountain in Maine to Springer Mountain in Georgia, and one of three through through hikes across the United States, which also include the Continental Divide Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail. The total length of the trail is currently 2,194.3 miles, although this changes from year to year as different routes are added or subtracted. So it's never the same distance every year, but it is over 2,000 miles. That's interesting. I already have a question. Mm. (laughs) Um, You said it's the longest hiking path? Hiking only footpath. Hiking only footpath. What does Uh that mean? Like, isn't the PCT? No, no bikes, no horses. Yes. Oh, is it's only like hiking horses. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. that's good to know. Yeah. I and that. I think maybe the CDT and the PCT are both not hiking only. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting um, because like you can totally bring horses up like to those trails. I'm sh- sure. Or at so least Shenandoah. For Appalachia, there are some trails or some like off offshoot trails that mm-hmm. have horse Trails, trails on them but the whole trail itself is just gotcha okay mm-hmm. yeah i'm there I'm but the main the main trail i believe is only hiking yeah okay so this trail runs through 14 states including some that i didn't think it did run through but i'll give you all of them like so we got georgia tennessee north carolina virginia west virginia maryland pennsylvania new jersey new oh. york connecticut massachusetts vermont Hampshire, New Hampshire, and Maine. Huh. So I thought that Kentucky would be on there. It should yeah. be. It's not. I, it must go right around the border. Yeah. Yeah. And it barely cuts because, through West Virginia. The, the mountains are in Kentucky, but I guess the actual trail doesn't make it into that part of the mountains. Yeah. And I'll show, and if you look on. Because um, in, in my books, they reference Kentucky a couple times. The map, you can kind of see where it cuts. Mm-hmm. Kind of on the backbone of, of, you know, the Virginian Appalachians. And so Kentucky just gets completely passed yeah, by. Yeah. yeah, it's still a little bit away from Kentucky. Yeah. You know, my dad and uncle tried to do the Appalachian Trail. Did yeah. I tell you that? They no. started in Georgia and they lasted like two weeks, I think. It was <laughs> like about, oh yeah, it was about two weeks because uh, I think the story is that my uncle rolled his ankle Ooh. and like... It was early on, obviously, and so mm-hmm. it was just one of those things that they called it because he was like, "There's no way I'm going to be able, yeah, to do this with this ankle sprain." And so they hitchhiked back home. 
Or at least somewhere where they could get to a telephone and call yeah. grandma and grandpa. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So the approximate um, gain and loss in elevation is 434,500 feet, which is regarded as equivalent to hiking Everest to sea level 16 times of course without the deadly altitude you know sickness issues yeah. but the gain and loss of elevation is the same as as doing everest that is so interesting 16 times um there are three plus million visitors to the trail each year um there are three plus million visitors to the trail each year and thousands of these visitors are through hikers or those attempting to hike the entire trail um within one uh, calendar year. Um, while the Appalachians are nowhere near as tall as the Rockies, there are still many big mountains to climb. And I'm going to give you the 10 highest peaks in the Appalachian Trail. And this will tell you a little bit about the geography of this place. Um, so at number 10, we have Big Bald on the North Carolina Tennessee border at 5,516 feet in the Pisgah National Forest. Number nine, White Top Mountain in Virginia. 5,518 feet in the Mount Rogers National Recreation Era, eight Thunderhead Mountain in Tennessee at 5,527 feet in the Great Smoking Mountains National Park. Number seven, Mount Rogers in Virginia at 5,728 feet at the Mount Rogers National Recreation Area. Number six, Grassy Bald Ridge on the North Carolina-Tennessee border at 6,165 feet in the Pisgah National Forest, Roan High Knob on the North Carolina-Tennessee border at 6,285 feet in the Pisgah National Forest. Number four, Mount Washington in New Hampshire at 6,288 feet at the Mount Washington State Park. This mountain, which is the only northern mountain on this list, or New England mountain, I guess, is the most deadly mountain in the u.s oh god and it's it's because there is a lot of unpredictable extremely unpredictable weather storms Mm -hmm. and catabolic winds that cause hikers to die in these conditions and because it's not that high of a mountain i mean take the rockies for example you have the 14ers it's only six thousand feet um a lot of people think they can just do it and be fine and it's near a highly populated area, you know, like Boston, New York City, those mm-hmm. kinds of places. So there's a ton of people there coming to this area to climb this mountain that are ill-prepared. I gotcha. And so it is one of the most deadly mountains in the United States, even though it is only 6,000 feet tall. Golly. So. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, let me get a sandwich and then hike a mountain. Yeah, and then they die and then they freeze to death. Um, <laughs> so. Number three is Old Black on the North Carolina-Tennessee border at 6,370 feet at the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Two is Mount Guyot on the North Carolina-Tennessee border at 6,621 feet at the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And then number one is Clingman's Dome on the North Carolina-Tennessee border at 6,643 at Great Smoky Mountains. So Clingman's Dome, however, is the third tallest mountain east of the Mississippi River, with Mount Mitchell in North Carolina being the highest at 6,684 feet. And Corey and I have actually climbed this mountain. Whoop, whoop. Mount Mitchell. Oh, cool. nice. And my mom. And your mom. Very That's nice. right. With a rolled ankle. 
and she's stubborn <laughs> and it was raining the whole freaking time the whole, <laughs> we had no view for the five the five <laughs> what was it like five plus hours of hiking mm-hmm. <clears throat> like straight up yeah we get to the top and it's supposed to have a gorgeous view of like miles all we were in a cloud oh yeah. my gosh so a week a week or two later we got a, a postcard from my mom that they got at a gift shop and it was supposed to be what the view was going to be and she's like this is what we, we should have seen but thanks for going with me anyway yeah oh <laughs> Um, it was I'm really proud of ourselves and it makes me feel really good that we were able to do that and they're actually trying to I think there's an alternate route you can take on the AT that includes Mount Mitchell it's not the main route but you can do it I think they're trying to make Mount Mitchell part of the AT um, which goes back to how it changes in length from from year to year so so from the sounds of it you can tell most of the taller mountains are in the Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee region. So mm-hmm. the more southern part of it is actually much taller than the northern part of it. But I wanted to talk about that Mount Washington, <clears throat> which you can see on on uh, slide three, um, just because at some point I want to do a episode all about this mountain because there's just so many stories. And I thought about doing it for this episode, but I just could not like pick one yeah um and it kind of deserves its own episode because it is so deadly sorry just one quick question if you had to hike the Appalachian Trail what how would you do it because I know there's multiple ways to do it some people start in Georgia and like the Mm -hmm. late summer and so by the time they get up to Maine it's like fall yeah and it's like not too bad like you know weather wise Mm because it's like nice to sleep in and then there's some people who choose to like I don't know do it the opposite way or like they start in Maine during one season and end up in the south when it's just starting to get warm type of thing yeah like, I think I'd if I was doing it all the way through I'd do south to north but there do too yeah but there's a way you can actually split it and you start in like West Virginia in uh, Harper's Ferry oh okay um and you do like the northbound part first and then go back and start at Harper's Ferry and do the southbound part. I see. So it's houses. Yeah. Which kind of like as a completionist kind of bothers me. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) But I feel like that's the only way I feel like I would physically be able to do Also agree. Yeah. (laughs) Like give me like a week in between. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, also like, I don't know. When I ever, whenever I think about people that do through hikes, I'm just like, where are you getting your like, restock supplies and I know you can like Mm -hmm. ship yourself stuff to like post offices I just really don't know how that works because like do the does the post office just like keep it like you ship it to yourself do they keep it for like an extended period of time Mm -hmm. or don't they ship it back and if no one comes to pick it up after a while like I think a lot of uh post offices on the AT kind of know the deal they're they're set up for that Um, I gotcha so like so, on towns near the AT. Also, there are certain trails that will lead you into town. So you can just yeah. like go to a grocery store, pick up what you need and then get back up on the trail. I gotcha. Spy Rock is one of those, yeah. which we've done. We've done. Well, that's near Crabtree Falls. That's where I was supposed to propose to you. But of course, oh. the day the day we we're I was going to propose to you, it was it raining. Was raining. <laughs> oh, no. And you have to like run up a sheer rock wall. Yeah, to get up to the top. it would have not. It was February. It would not have been pleasant. So instead, we did a little hike by a creek right next to Bold Rock Cidery. Yeah, and nice. then we got a charcuterie board afterwards. So nice. Awesome. <laughs> um, all right. So let's kind of get into what it takes to do a through hike. Um, there are thousands of attempts to through hike every year and only about one in four make it the entire way. 
Tech well, through hike takes five to seven months with six months as an average. Since carrying supplies is limited to what you can fit in a backpacking bag, uh, through hikers carefully plan their trip with resupplies, either from family or friends in nearby towns. In order to get the official recognition, you have to register with the Appalachian Trail Conservancy and follow all ATC rules. There are many ways to do the trail. You can go southbound going from Maine to Georgia, which has the shortest good weather window. Typically, hikers start in late spring. You can go northbound going from Georgia in the early spring to Maine in late summer, fall, um, or you can flip flop. Like I said, this is increasingly popular with hikers starting at Shenandoah or Harper's Ferry and heading north to Maine and then returning to their start point and hiking south to Georgia. This allows for the most amount of good weather. Um, hikers often also start and restart their trips based on emergencies. And as long as you finish it within a, ca- a calendar year, it still counts. Oh, you got a full year, like a full calendar year to do it. Yeah. Cool. So besides weather, there are some ecological threats to hikers. The black bear is the only bear native to the region. And it's expected that hikers will see a few if they finish a through hike. There are also venomous snakes, particularly timber rattlesnakes and copperheads in the south. There's also a potential of getting Lyme disease from ticks and northbound Mm. hikers can be exposed to the norovirus from other hikers, particularly in like shelters from in the south. So yeah, a lot of ways to um, potentially get sick sick enough that you need to leave the trail. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. Let's let the clock. I didn't think about like the viruses and stuff from other hikers. Yeah. Yeah, because you're sharing those those uh, shelters. shelters. Yeah, Yeah. and now coronavirus. That's true. That too. All right. So the trail in most places is well marked, but hikers should bring compasses in order to find um, places to get off the trail to find help if needed. There are many access points along the trail that lead down into towns where you would be able to find people to help you. Like I said, the Spyrock Trail in Virginia is one of these. Cell phones, radios, and GPS can be valuable, um, but service may not be available in all locations on the AT since you will not always be traveling on a ridgeline um, and maybe in like a narrow valley where a satellite can't reach you. Yeah. Um, So you can't always rely on that. There are more than 250 backcountry shelters on the AT at varying intervals. They range from uh, five to 15 miles apart, but can be as much as 30 miles apart when there is a town in between. Most are lean-tos with three walls and a roof, but some are small cabins and most are near spring and many have an outhouse nearby. These shelters are first come first serve um, until the shelter is full and are intended for individual hikers, not large groups of hikers. So if you're a big group, you're camping, you know, yeah. um, but if it's like two of you, you know, you can use a shelter. Um, so there are lots of benefits to shelters, specifically in that they protect hikers from weather. But shared spaces like this can breed pests such as mice. And hikers can be disposed, exposed to other hikers' viruses like we talked. Um, there are lots of other adequate rules that apply to using shelters. And... Uh, as you will most likely be sharing it with others. Besides shelters, most hikers bring some kind of tent and some may stay overnight occasionally in a motel or hotel in a nearby town if you just really need a shower because you're going to be doing yeah. this for months. Yeah. You want to poop somewhere like... that is in a hole in the ground. Exactly. Yeah. Um, totally and you can shower. see 
a basic, um, you know, typical AT shelter on slide four. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing a through hike on the AT requires great physical strength um, and mental stamina. Physically fit individuals have more of an edge, but the AT is more of a mental challenge. Most hikers start off doing eight miles a day in the first week and increase mileage over the next several weeks as they get their trail legs. Um, however, that does depend on varying terrain types in each state. Um, 20,000 people have finished a through hike in recorded AT history, which I don't know that they started recording that until like, you know, the 50s, 60s. It hasn't mm-hmm. been. So there's probably more people maybe who have done something like that. Um And this is either within one year or over the course of several years. Those that leave the trail early often are a result of an injury, running out of money, family matters, or just mental issues with the experience. The average month on the trail can cost $1,000 and Hmm. gear can run from $1,200 to $2,000. So it can be a bit of a financial undertaking, especially because you're not working during this time. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I would love to do something like this, but I also like would never have the time off to do something like this. Like this takes like like, four months to complete. Yeah. Well, it takes longer typically five to seven. Yeah. Yeah. Six six is the average. Six is the average. And I see here on one of your slides, it says that the trail was conceived in 1921 and Mm -hmm. it was built by private citizens. Like how, how does that even work? Like, do they, are they just like really digging in the ground to like make a walking path or are they like actually like putting like stones along the path? It's, it's usually, it's usually heavily used game trails mm -hmm. or trails that like native people used and whatnot. And they just expand on it and they'll put like those wooden barriers or um, they'll put like flat stones in areas where they need to just add a little bit of stability Gotcha. And they just encourage people to keep walking those paths and yeah. it just kind of makes its own path. I mean, the same gotcha. way that any walking trail is yeah. kind of boring. It, it's just. And it, then there will be some like br- brush removal if something starts growing over it or if there's like a tree. I think a, a lot of cases it was a matter of connecting trails that already existed. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because it says here too, like it was completed in 1937. So that's mm-hmm. like uh, quite a while from when it was started. So yeah, yeah that makes that, sense. I remember when we were doing Mount Mitchell, there were a couple places where we were like, is this the trail? And like, we, <laughs> we followed it for a little bit and then it opened back out onto like where the trail was obviously a little bit more, a um, mm-hmm. little bit more human involvement with it. So there are still, and I, a couple of the times that we've hiked up there, we've seen places where it doesn't look like a trail, but it is. It's yeah. Just, yeah. They just didn't feel the need to, to expand on that little game trail. Yeah. To connect to the main trail. And I think there's gotcha. a lot of conservation groups and like different parks, like national parks and state parks um, in each state that kind of maintain their part of the trail, mm-hmm. um, which we'll kind of get into a little bit with some of my stories. Gotcha. Um, so hikers <clears throat> require uh, 4,000 to 6,000 calories a day. Wow. Um, which I, <laughs> I wish. Which for us, it's like 2,000 to two. At 2000 if you're having a heavy heavy work day yeah yeah it's like 14 or something like that right um and maybe eating two to three times what they ate um before the hike an official through hike is considered 12 months or less but is not restricted to the calendar year 
that you're in. So like if you do say the northbound section, you know, starting from Harper's Ferry, mm-hmm. uh, if you do that in one year from like, I don't know, May to September or something. And then you turn around a couple years later and do the southbound track. So Harper's Ferry down to Georgia in like, I don't know, like, um, you know, uh, October to December or something like that, that counts. Oh, so as long as you, as long as your hiking time is less than 12 months, exactly. it counts. It doesn't matter when you do it. No, yeah. Oh, that's cheating. Oh, which means we could actually, I feel like we could do it. That's cheating. I feel like I like that. It makes it more attainable. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's get into some of the traditions because this is some of my favorite aspects of the culture of AT trail hiking, because there is absolutely a culture. Um, so as you meet people along the way and hike sections with some and make friends, spend time with others and shelters, you know, you start, a lot of people start to create these um, kind of traditions that have carried on into the full, you know, trail hiking experience. So mm-hmm. here are some of my favorites. The number one, which I think most people know about if they know about the AT are trail names. Mm-hmm. Um, through hikers will give each other nicknames called trail names um, that will often be used in place of a hiker's real name throughout the hike. Um, by 1999, 96% of hikers were using trail names. So it is pretty common. Um, some people suggest that people use it for safety to keep their real world identity secret because, uh, well, but also because there have been mm-hmm. multiple murderers on AD. Yeah. Um, but it is also a way to depart from, you know, your old way of life and have a new kind of refreshing experience. Mm-hmm. So what would your trail name be dipshit <laughs> i feel like it's given to you you have to do something or you have can't, something you can't, choose you can't just name yourself which is why i have a feeling my name would be dipshit because <laughs> I, I do stupid shit when i'm on hikes <laughs> like scrabbling up spy rock when i'm in no physical condition to do it yeah i'd probably have something related to a turtle because i'm a very slow hiker <laughs> you're just taking it all in well, yeah, I'm taking it in and letting myself catch my damn breath. Oh, that's that would be a bad uh, nickname. What? Taking it in. Taking it. <laughs> I was gonna joke around and say my name would probably be Nelly because I'd probably be a nervous Nelly most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that for me too. Because yeah. I I'm an anxious person and I like a plan. And if I go off plan, I'm yeah. not happy. Yeah. I think like I would be cool for like the first like three or four days, and then it would hit me and be like, all right, guys, like what's our plan? Like oh, it's been four days. <laughs> like <laughs> what are we doing? I'm so we? tired of these goddamn cliff bars. <laughs> yeah. God, I don't even really like cliff bars to start with. So no, like, <laughs> you would by the end of that trip, you yeah. would really either hate them or love them. I feel um, like. I- I think I would do okay with eating cliff bars, like mentally knowing that I had to eat it to survive. Yeah. I would just like force it down. Like, oh, this yeah. Works. Yeah. They make coffee flavored ones now. They're actually not too bad. That's like how I could have coffee without actually having coffee. Exactly. <laughs> My boyfriend um, opened up a fresh tub of coffee today. He's like, smell this. And I was like, oh, <laughs> smells so good. I wish I could have it. <laughs> I, I would definitely commit some space in my backpack for one of those little uh, portable espresso machines. Oh. <laughs> like there's no way daddy's going six months without espresso i'll tell you that right now the first month would just be caffeine headaches like (laughs) the first day would just be me at my worst yeah yeah 
So there are a few spots that hold traditions as well. And most actually that I found happen to be in Virginia, woot represent. Oh, that's nice. Um, so in Damascus, Virginia, um, in May, hikers from all over the trail meet for the Appalachian Trail Tradition, which is a week-long festival that has been held here since 1987. And, cool. Um, that's on slide four. Is it just um, all the people who've hiked it before or can like anybody go to that? It's any, it's, it can be anybody who's hiked it. It can be people local to the area or, you know, people who just want to come see. It can be hikers yeah. on the trail will plan to be there that week. Yeah. Um, so that they can experience it while they're hiking. Um, so it's just a really cool event. That's awesome. Um, there's also the McAfee Knob <laughs> in you Virginia. Say I say McAfee. McAfee? Is it McAfee? I, just, I don't know. I've always called it McAfee. <laughs> I've never heard it called McAfee. <laughs> um, McAfee. That's I've, probably right. I don't think I've been to that one. It's the McDonald knob. The McDonald's, McDonald's knob. <laughs> yeah. Is that like near tech or no? It's, uh, it Dragon's Tooth is by ve- tech. It's very close to the southern border. Um, it is the most photographed spot on the trail though yeah and it's I know. Tra- i've seen so many pictures of that online <laughs> yeah so it's become a tradition to get a photo at the overlook which is it's pretty picturesque it is really pretty i've always wanted to go there yeah um the james river footbridge is another one it's the longest footbridge on the trail at um 700 feet in glasgow glasgow virginia and huh. has become um tradition to jump off the bridge however oh. it is pretty fucking Dangerous. illegal to do Oh, I would say it looks dangerous too. <laughs> just knowing how deep the James River is and how high that bridge is. Yeah. It doesn't make that's... a lot of sense. Yeah, but I feel like it's it's not as deep up where that part is. Because we, we think of the James, this. we think of the James by the Chesapeake Bay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm trying to. It, is, it, is it still the James, same James River though? Mm-hmm. It's just up near the headwaters. Well, it's pretty illegal to jump off of, but people do it, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, if no one's yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> There's um, also the priest is a 4,000 foot mountain in Rockfish Gap in Virginia. Um, and hikers fill out a trail log at a shelter just shy of the summit, you know, jokingly confessing their trail sins to <laughs> the priest. That's and cool. it's really just a collection of hilarious um logs of various sins on the trail and i've provided a page for us to look at um here's one forgive me father i have been antisocial too often i have the hots for another hiker even though i have a boyfriend i'm sure there is more but gotta get to the brewery (laughs) (laughs) yeah sounds about right or um just stopped in for a water and to see some old friends. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I have skipped 34 mile, miles near Bland. Promised to complete them before finishing my through hike. <laughs> oh, that's where my family's from, Bland. Oh, really? Yeah, it's my grandma. I believe that's uh, where my grandma has some relatives, Bland, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Corey is... I would skip it, too. Oh, of the three of us, I think Corey's the only one who has yeah. actual Appalachian ancestry. Because your family's from Tennessee. My grandpa's family's from Tennessee and my grandma's from like the mountains of Virginia. Yeah. 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 Definitely not. My. All right. So there's some more trail traditions. Um, One of the most famous is the uh, half gallon challenge, 
Um, and it's at the halfway point on the trail in Pine Grove Furnace State Park. Hikers um, pick up a half gallon of ice cream from the general store and must eat the whole tub in one sitting, which I could totally do. I do that like once a week. Uh, yeah, I, was like, I can do the I can do the 18. You can do the 18. And you don't have to feel bad about it because you're devouring 4,000 to 6,000 yeah. calories a day. I'll get there. I'll get to that point. I'll be like, I've been training for this my whole life. <laughs> I deserve this. Um, one of the funniest and freeing traditions is hike naked day, which happens on summer solstice or June 21st. While in more rugged areas, this may be fine to do, but many hikers give advice not to do this in more popular areas of the trails as day hikers with their families will be on the trail and you will get registered as a sex offender if authorities catch you doing this. Yeah, I was going to make a comment <laughs> about that. And also just like all the types of bugs I could get on you. Chafing. Like, um, Imagine having a tick in your vagina. Shaking. Like, it's like that house episode, and I will never forget it. <laughs> Chafing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. But yes, also to vagina and on your dick and or mm-hmm. vagina. I, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh-huh. Um, so those are some of the uh, trail traditions. Um, here's some safety tips for the trail. Um, always research where you're going. Yeah. If you're hiking solo, tell people where you are. Text outside, text your outside contact and tell her what shelter or campsite you're at. Always bring plenty of food and water. No shit. And ice cream. And ice cream. If you're new to hiking, try to be at camp before dark. Save a night hiking adventure until you're more experienced or you have a friend to go with you. It's a good idea to push your limits, but don't put yourself in real danger. If you're injured. Yeah. Like night if hiking, if I heard like a ruffle in a bush, I'd be like, um, is that a person trying to kill me or a squirrel? <laughs> or is it a cryptid? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm setting fire to that bush. <laughs> um, if you're injured or in trouble, tell another hiker. Even a complete stranger will be willing to help a fellow hiker, usually. Into their trunk. Uh, well, <laughs> like I said, there's been two AT killers. I would be too trusting. Like, I am working on not being so trusting, but then I'm. it makes me feel like shit because people down here are very nice and, like, trusting. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I definitely have a problem of being, like, too nice and trusting of strangers. I'd be like, oh, you need help? Like, I'll help you. And then I'd end up dead. <laughs> or like or like hey can you come help me with this like you you look like you're nice but that's like ted bundy looked nice you know like yeah, yeah i was right. about to say ted bundy uh-huh. totally did that too he yeah. would uh fake a broken leg to get women to help him go yeah. near his car and then he'd shove them in and anyway um <laughs> make sure you have a good battery in your phone before you hit the trail leave it on airplane mode or turned off so you can call for help if needed um keep pepper spray and a pocket knife in your hip belt pocket so you can defend yourself if necessary and learn how to proper properly read a compass in a map um as this trail is mostly wilderness there are a lot of spooky tales associated with this trail in this region of the united states some involve true crime and murder some involve more paranormal aspects like encounters with ghosts or cryptids and others just involve the sheer horror of plain old survival and that's where we're gonna transition which one of you wants to go first and i'll go in the middle Corey, you can go first i go first okay all right so with the appalachia first off there was a lot of a lot a lot of the myths and a lot of the folk tales come from the the native cherokee indians Mm -hmm. and then when 
you know, the white, the white man started settling it. They brought in, you know, coal and the timber industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that, they had to bring in help. So that's where, you know, the, Ger- the, the German settlers, the Irish Scots, um, African-Americans, all that, all those people started coming in. And with that, it, the, uh, the, the whole mountain region turned into a big melting pot of uh, folklore and uh, legends and fables and all this stuff. So it's really, it's really interesting because you'll see a lot of things that are very similar. Like for one thing, uh, both the Cherokee and um, especially the Scott Irish believed in a race of like mythical little people. So, you know, the whole story about the cobbler and he had elves come in and work mm-hmm. on his boots and everything. And he had, he had to give them like cream to to pay them back and reward them like like mm-hmm. milk cream or yeah like cream like a like a retinol cream the, like an anal cream <laughs> like a little butt cream <laughs> yes milk cream from a cow to be specific not a goat <laughs> or an almond so the cherokee also believed that uh there was a um a race of of little people and i'm not talking about actual dwarfism yeah not dwarfism like it's like a mythical race i just want to put that out there when i say little people i'm talking about that yeah um i'm woke so (laughs) (laughs) but they they had very similar um traditions like leaving food out for them if you come upon them and they tell you to leave you just drop what you're doing you turn around you leave because the last thing you want to do is piss them off Mm -hmm. Uh Uh, that's how children go missing Mm, so they're like the fae almost yes so they're they're fae fairy like beings um like the banshee we all think of the banshee as a uh as a ghostly woman going around screaming and when she screams someone dies but a lot of the actual folklore is that banshees are warning uh they're they're again part of the little people and they're warning people that someone is going to die it's not it's not a i'm screaming so now someone dies it's i'm screaming to let you know someone will die like it's a they're like a forerunner they're a forerunner and they're actually they're actually doing that because they care Mm -hmm. um they're preparing people like so if you know someone's on their deathbed or someone's sick and you hear the banshee it kind of gives everyone a chance to go and say their goodbyes to that person. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I thought that was really cool that both Native Americans and the settlers uh, have that in common. Um, and it might be a little more melding of, of commonalities mm-hmm. they already shared. That exactly. Like a you know, singular kind of story. Exactly. But, um, and this is just further evidence that white people are crazy. Um, they believed anything, especially in Appalachia, anything bad that happened to them, their first thought was a witch did it. I mean, uh, so if a cow started giving sour milk or started giving poor milk, uh, a witch bewitched it. <clears throat> so, um, mostly women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, so like a one, one lady that maybe showers a little less often than the rest or, of the people or more often or more often You're or you know a clean. woman that actually knows math you yeah. know can't have You're that too smart yep too smart <laughs> lives alone um they will automatically start believing that she is involved in witchcraft mm-hmm. and one of the biggest ways to that they they thought would stop a witch would they take a drawing of 
the woman, mm-hmm. which to me makes me think that they just drew a stick figure with boobs and hair. <laughs> or like the triangle dress that you learn in like kindergarten. That's right. Like, a, yeah. And they would put it on a tree and they would shoot it with a silver bullet. Okay. And that would either kill the witch or at least prevent her from being able to do magic. It's very werewolfy. It's very werewolfy. Well, that's where a lot, because silver is supposedly pure. And I'm like, I don't know why, because, okay. you know. That's why a lot of, a lot of, be- have you watched Supernatural? Yeah. I mean, a lot of things are killed with silver. Okay. Supernatural. I was going to ask how that came to be because I was reading up on some cryptid stuff and I came across a story that included that. And I was just curious. What about how, like witches bullet. and silvers? Like who, who decided that? Why? It's not, uh, I have not found it in either of these two books. <laughs> <laughs> But I will research that and I will let you guys know <laughs> next time. It's like um, vampires and garlic. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why yeah there's no way thing? I can be a vampire. I love garlic way yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, so they, they had like really weird things um, that they would do with like if a cow was cursed. Oh my God. I had so many bookmarks. I don't even know what bookmark I'm looking for. Uh, <clears throat> that's why you write it down. That's why I should have written it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so they would do things like that, uh, you know, try and shoot the witch or they would uh, they, they would make weird like tinctures or anything like that to like rub on the udders of the cow to prevent the witch from being able to use it. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the thought was that the witch would come steal milk from the cow and then curse it so that only she would be able to get milk. Mm-hmm. The imaginations back then floor me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it, you know what else is funny is like those tinctures probably like you know essential oils and like yeah. naturopathic remedies like probably could have helped the cow and like they didn't even know they were like helping exactly the cow. <laughs> exactly it's like a little bit of witch hazel a little bit of basil yeah. thyme I don't know the recipe yeah a little mayo little mayo yeah. <laughs> little <laughs> um but to the point where if butter wouldn't churn properly they'd start shooting pictures of witches because they think a witch is cursing their butter churn their ability oh to make God. butter so just, just the any, butter churn itself any inconvenience let's blame a woman so because a lazy kid didn't want to churn the butter he's like oh witch is making it so i can't churn the butter yeah. and they're like oh, oh let's God. let's fucking kill her yeah i would be such an annoying little kid if i was living back then just <laughs> i would just blame everything on witches because i wouldn't want to do anything there'd be so much blood on your hands i know <laughs> like oh the witch made me do it <laughs> So something that I we probably all know is that especially with uh, Native Americans, trees are very like usually very sacred mm-hmm. and and they use utilize them for a lot of things. Well, that's continued on in Appalachian uh, folklore. Mm-hmm. So they have bottle trees. Yes. Oh my God. Tell me more <laughs> about the bottle trees. I've seen so many TikToks on these. So. Uh, there, the bottle trees serve as everything from uh, trail markers to places where you can like write a wish or something that you want forgiveness for, and you put it in a bottle and you hang it up in the tree, and it'll either come true or you'll be absolved. Mm-hmm. But it's also used to trap spirits that cross the crossroads, mm-hmm. and particularly, uh, blue bottles are used to trap haints. Oh. Now, haints are the evil spirits that are what was that i said haints are different than witches right yeah haints yeah haints are essentially oh first off i'm i'm 
bringing all kind of darkness into our house because of how often I say that word. Yeah. It's one of those things. Are you not supposed to say it? You're not supposed to say it. Kind of like. uh, I'm knocking on all the wood right now. (laughs) (laughs) Go get some blue glass and hang it up at your door. Get. uh, It's kind of like. And let me borrow this term from the podcast Morbid. A flesh pedestrian. Or. Yes. Yeah. A skin. mm -mm. Ah. Yeah. Where you're not supposed to say it. Because uh, to say it brings them to you. Mm-hmm. I have uh, goosebumps. I it's fine. Have... You're in the Keys. We're in coastal Texas. We're probably safe. If I don't, if I don't get to it or I forget it, I will send you uh, the things you need to put up in your house to protect yourself from. Please. The H. I was just thinking last night too. I was like, you know, this house hasn't creeped me out one bit. Like, and I was thinking about it. Like, I was like, I don't think there's any really haunted houses in the Keys other than like the really, really old ones in Key West. There but, like, are some. I'll say anywhere I'm sure there's some. Key West. I'm sure there's some, but like Key West, but I'm on Big Pine. So like, I'm like, I'm true. You know, true. I'm like, oh, this, I was like, I haven't felt creeped out once. It's cool. And now <laughs> I'm just screwing myself over. So. <laughs> well, get yourself some blue bottles. All right. Yeah. Anyway, back so, to the hates. So the blue <laughs> bottles and blue colors used a lot in uh, Appalachian um, lore and uh, uh, fieldcraft and whatnot. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I hazard to say witchcraft because it's not just witches that use it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of because they've got like uh, medicine doctors and they're kind of the um, the antithesis to not medicine doctors. Um, medicine men. Yeah, they got medicine men or like grass doctors. They got all these different names for them. And they're kind of the opposite of witches. So they they practice the same kind of thing. So they're more of the uh, like the hoodoo versus the voodoo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because they're often those particular kinds of medicine men are particular or generally African-American that are bringing the traditions over. Mm -hmm. Well, Um, and I feel like midwives are like, you know, female medical practitioners who yeah. practiced like folk magic and like home remedies are kind of in that same that that would be grannies okay grannies are the uh they're usually the oldest women of the village and they've lived the longest especially if they've had multiple kids and their kids have had kids like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how old you are you're automatically like elevated to granny status mm-hmm. And anytime someone is hurt or someone's sick or there's a child with an issue, they go to her first. So it's like an auntie and like exactly Native American exactly cultures. So they they know the area, they know the animals. So they they can generally, if there's like a illness born from an insect or getting bit by something, they'll be able to recognize it. They'll know all the uh, herbs and all the plants nearby Mm -hmm. that they can use to help uh, work on what the issue is. Um, and they are the first ones to be called on when a woman is about to go into labor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the and a lot of the times the family will invite the granny to stay with them for weeks leading up to the birth. Mm-hmm. So they'll feed her, they'll house her, they'll give her the best room in the house and everything. Like a doula. Exactly. Doula. So she's there to help prepare the mother for birth, especially if it's her first birth or they're fearing that it's going to be a complicated birth. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's really, really, really cool. Um, also, something that I found out, uh, bees, since they're so important to crops and everything, they're treated as members of the family. So like if there's a death or there's a birth or there's big news uh, in the village, whoever the local beekeeper is goes out and talks to the bees and tells them this person died. This person was born. This is their name. 
all this stuff. Because if you don't do that and the bees find out about this secondhand, they stop producing honey. They stop oh. pollinating. And I also just found out that the, the beekeeper in England, the royal beekeeper, had to do that when the queen died. Oh, wow. So this you had to go and tell the bees, like, hey, you're serving under a king now. So I'm wondering if that's a tradition that was brought over from like England, Scotland, mm-hmm. Ireland. Yeah, yeah that, that's definitely a settler thing. That's cool. Um, huh. Oh, speaking of haint blue, um, I'm sure you know about this. Um, you know the blue that gets painted on a lot of southern front porches, of, yeah. like on yeah. the. It's supposed to mm-hmm. ward off, you know, ghosts. It confuses and... them with the sky. Yeah. yeah, which I love and I would love to do at one of my houses. If I, I was ever just get thinking about that. I was like, maybe I should go get some blue paint today. And just... There's there you go. There's a specific paint blue paint, though, if you want that specific one. So, oh. like, do some research. Look it, at yeah. In a pinch, what you can do, you know, I was just about to talk about this. Another right. way to protect your house. No, no, you're okay. Another way to protect your house is, uh, and this is from Celtic folklore as well. Uh, you can throw grains of sand you can throw sugar you can throw rice on the floor like at your at right over your threshold so if any spiritual being comes into your house they have to sit and count every single grain oh wow smaller Uh, the grain the better (sighs) that's right so if you throw like a big old handful of sugar they are stuck picking out every granule of sugar and counting it and usually that's going to take until the morning where Mm -hmm. the sun will banish them Mm-hmm. yeah which is why uh in some places they'll even hang like uh, a sieve so like the um like cheesecloth or something like that because they will have to go up and they'll have to count every single break in the mesh mm-hmm. every single little square okay oh. so that's another way you can protect your house you just start hanging like hanging cheesecloth imagine like i threw out some sugar or something on the front porch my boyfriend's on night shift right now and he comes home and he's like why the hell is there so much sugar on the front porch and you'll just be like i'm trying to protect like, our house yeah. it's like the salia ants might be kind of where this partially where the salt mm-hmm. thing comes like you know putting a like if you salt. if you throw yeah. that and if you throw salt behind you because we just watched hocus pocus too is we did too yeah i, <laughs> I loved it um Iron is another, like pure iron is another thing that uh, can dissipate ghosts mm-hmm. and it repels them. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times they'll take a horseshoe. That's why you see a lot of horseshoes hanging up in front of houses mm-hmm. because that horseshoe, first off, it's a sign of good luck. And then secondly, um, if it's made of pure iron, it helps repel devils and monsters and all that. Yeah. yeah. I have but- a medicine wheel over my house. Or like in the house over the front door because that's supposed that's like a native american mm-hmm. um thing to have like your home in good health mm-hmm. yeah i've also heard a, a broom like yes. a room too partially where the witch's broom that came from. and because they also have to count the straws yeah of the broom uh, yeah the like the spirits yeah yeah um but they have there's also the, well, this is probably what you're going to talk about, but the Mothman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll leave that. I'll leave that for you because this book didn't have too much on it. Um, we love a Mothman. Are you going to talk about Krampus? I didn't find anything on Krampus. Whenever I was like Googling Appalachian cryptids, it came up with like pretty much the same handful. Yeah. And ironically, they're not along like the, the trail or really the mountains. They're kind of a little off. 
from mm-hmm. the mountains, but it's still like you know the general. Yeah, probably more area. in like the haulers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Krampus was. We all know Krampus is the 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 evil Santa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if a boy if a boy or girl is seen as being bad, Krampus will wrap them up in a sack, chain them up, and then shake them, or take them back to hell, or uh, yeah, all kind. There, there's all kinds of different. Um, it's German, right? Yes, it's it came and it came from the German settlers. Uh, a lot of the preachers around there uh, tried to stop any kind of acknowledgement of Krampus mm-hmm. because it wasn't, it didn't fit into their, their idea of Christian, of a Christian, Christian Christmas. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the, a lot of like the, the German settled villages and whatnot were like, Oh, what are you going to do? You know, like, and yeah. they would still celebrate Krampus. I think we should bring Krampus back. Yes. <laughs> let's, let's bring Krampus back. I, I definitely, I, I definitely had years <laughs> where I deserved to be put in a burlap sack and shake. Yeah. <laughs> So God, I'd be traumatized. <laughs> um, but yeah, and there, there's just like, and and what I'm learning more and more is how colloquial and like regional it is. Like, there's mm-hmm. there's no like, there, there's some things that are kind of a global belief, like the whole idea of grannies, witches, yeah. uh, grass doctors, and all that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like the actual spirits, because I've been looking for like a um, like kind of like an anthology of like actual spirits and evil beings, but it's all told orally. It's really, none of it has really been written down because mm-hmm. again, writing it down is too permanent and that could call evil to you mm-hmm. if you're writing it down. Mm-hmm. All the different culture, like all the different villages, all the different professions have their weird thing. Like the thing that traumatized me the most when I was reading was glass blowers. If their furnace wasn't burning hot enough to actually melt the glass, then a witch cursed their furnace and the way they got rid of the curse was they threw in a live puppy oh no to to cure the furnace and i'm like that's a really messed up way to get rid of a litter of puppies I don't like that i read that and i had to put the book down and i was very <laughs> like upset this. Uh, yeah. i was upset for the rest of the night i was like i need a day to recover before i can read any more of this it's funny because just as you were saying that marzi jumped down off of her bed yeah she's like oh uh-uh, i'm out of here <laughs> you're not getting me <laughs> i'm out she's like i'm not a puppy anymore dad <laughs> but yeah um you want to talk about the the books you used oh yes 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 so the books i used um was Appalachian Magazines, Mountain Superstitions, Ghost Stories, and Hank Tales, a collection of mountain memories and tall tales. It's a sample of a magazine. And then the other one is Backwoods Witchcraft, Conjure, and Folk Magic from Appalachia by Jake Richards. And this one- I love how you guys just have these books laying around. Oh, no, I bought them specifically for this. Oh, nice. It looks like each story in that first book was written by different people. Well, yeah, because it's a collection of magazines, but the, I'm trying to find the names of the people who put it all together because it was a magazine and they've started selling portions of the magazine, like collections of it, mm-hmm. as books. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't find it. Yeah, I can't find their names. Anyway, that's a really good book. It told a lot of really specific, uh, weird beliefs from like different villages or di- different areas and whatnot. Backwoods Witchcraft talks a lot more about the spirituality, um, a little bit more about the specific witchcraft and uh, kind of the ceremonies and how to communicate with the dead, with the animal spirits and all that stuff. So, great. Pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Good good read. All right. So I'm going to talk about a real story, 100% Mm -hmm. real story. 
about a hiker who became a ghost for a variety of reasons. Um, and this is one of the like top survival story or not survival stories, actually. It's I, was say, I don't story. think they survived as a ghost. <laughs> no, um, you know me. I like to bring the mood down. I just really like to bring us down. But um, it is probably the top one that comes up when you type missing hiker Appalachian Trail. Um, and um, this was one of the f- stories that made me want to do this topic in the first place because it is just so chilling. So this is missing hiker um, Geraldine Largay, uh, who is known to her friends as Jerry. Uh, Geraldine Largay disappeared on the 22nd of July, 2013, after leaving the AT to relieve herself. Jerry was a 66-year-old retired Air Force nurse who was fond of hiking and backpacking in her home state of Tennessee. She was attempting to complete her goal of a through-hike at the, at the time, 2,168-mile AT she was planning to do with her friend, Jane Lee. She had started in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia, moving north to Maine before she would return to Harpers Ferry and go southbound to Georgia. Um, Unfortunately, around the time of Jerry's disappearance, Jane was called away due to a personal emergency, so Jerry was alone on the trail. Um, Jerry was just north of Wrangley, Maine, and um, was planning on hiking Kitsap I can't say Katahdin in the next uh, few days. So um, you can see slide six and seven are going to contain the pictures and eight are going to contain the pictures for this story. So Largay's husband, George, was nearby that morning when she went missing. Jerry had already traversed 1,000 miles upon this point, um, was easily making friends on the trail and had earned her trail name Inchworm by fellow travelers, which I feel like that is, I, I, I share that because she got it from being a slower hiker. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. George was not a fan of hiking as much as she was, but wanted to support his wife during the hike and served as a resupply service for her um, as well as for small reunions between the couple. So he was totally supporting her. Um, he stated that he was willing to be her resupply saying, okay, suck it up. What's six months in the grand scheme of things? So I did it. Yeah. Um, It's true though. Like what is six months in the grand scheme of things? It's like a drop in a bucket. Mm -hmm. Um, He was nearby with a resupply and was supposed to meet her on the day of her disappearance. Because it was raining heavily, he wasn't immediately alarmed when she didn't appear initially, assuming she decided to stay close to camp and kind of wait out the rain um, before hiking to meet him. But when she didn't show up for 24 hours, George began to get concerned and the official search began. So on slide seven, you can see the couple and um, the last known picture of Jerry. So the only clear clue investigators had when she disappeared was that photo of her, um, which was taken by another hiker early in the morning when she went missing near a log lean-to with a corrugated tin roof and a fire pit. Mm-hmm. Fellow hiker Dottie Rust had taken the photo at the Poplar Ridge lean-to the morning of July 22, 2013. Over the next few weeks, the search included game wardens, aircraft, state police, national park rangers, and fire departments. They largely relied on hikers' tips, um, scored side trails, and used dogs for the search. Unfortunately, heavy rains obscured her trail, 
both her physical trail and her scent, and searchers were not able to come up with any other physical clues of Jerry's disappearance. Um, I wonder what happened to her. I'm gonna tell you. (laughs) so odd. Like, she just goes off and just disappears, no trace. Mm -hmm. And so, unfortunately, Gary remained missing for over two years. Oh, shit. Oh, my gosh. Um, After her disappearance, friends mentioned that they had been concerned about her hiking alone. Jane Lee said that Gary sometimes struggled to keep up and had questionable compass skills, which goes back to the, you have to know know. how to read a Mm -hmm. compass and a map. Um, Some theories of her disappearance include the usual cryptids, aliens, serial killers, etc. Because Mm -hmm. it was just so So bizarre bizarre that they couldn't find any trace of her. Yeah. Um, Some suggested that she may have had a stroke suddenly and become disoriented and although many stated she would likely have lost her gear if that had been the case um it was still a possibility um it was a disappearance that baffled authorities and citizen sleuths alike for years in october 2015 a forester contracted by the u.s navy found a body and reported it to lieutenant kevin adam so the Navy owned property on the trail. And then I had to find out why the hell they owned property on the trail. Yeah. I was going to ask. <laughs> so I knew y'all were going to ask. So I actually <laughs> looked this up. Um, apparently, they are a partner for the Reddington Forest Project with the main Appalachian Trail Land Trust. And it's a hmm. big recreation with recreation area with the goal of conservation. But it's also home to a Navy S-E-R-E or SEER facility which stands for survival evasion resistance and escape and that's where that training is done for like seals and stuff like when they're behind enemy lines right um because i i was like clicked and it all makes sense because i was like what the hell why do they need that um when lieutenant adam arrived at the area um he found a flattened tent a green backpack and a human skull tucked into a sleeping bag Adam stated, I was 99% certain that it was Gary Largay's. Um, The site. I'm sorry. Can you say that again? The body was tucked inside the sleeping bag. Mm -hmm. The human skull. Yeah. So skeletal remains at that point. And I'm already kind of looking ahead to this map. So I have other questions, but go ahead. Okay. You can come back up. No one's throwing you into a kiln. No, we're not doing that. That would be so mean. Sorry. (laughs) She's back. Um, The site was reported to be difficult to see unless you were right next to it because the forest was so thick. Mm -hmm. And uh, the several trees obscured the sky, so you wouldn't have been able to see it from an aircraft either. Um, Largay had built a bedding area out of branches, pine needles, and dirt. Um, She had tied a space blanket between branches to provide cover, um, but I think it would have been more useful to try to find a clearing and and do it there so that maybe an airplane could see you because those emergency blankets are shiny. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's the silver shiny blankets. Um, she had set fires and noted that nearby trees were charred or the searchers noted that nearby ch- trees were charred black and that was likely to try to alert rescuers. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, she had not taken advantage of the nearby clearings to pitch her tent so that she might be seen from the air. Mm. 
In the camp, they found maps, a rain jacket, string, Ziploc bags, and a flashlight that actually still worked, a blue baseball cap, a dental floss, and a homemade necklace with white stone wrapped in string. Mm -hmm. Um, They also found her cell phone and her notebook, now with moss growing on it, titled George, please read XOXO. Mm. This is harkens back to the episode we did last week where they're going through the phones and the cameras and stuff to try to figure out what happened to these mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's a lot more obvious. Yeah. Um, the phone showed that she had attempted to text George the day she went missing at 11 a.m., writing in some trouble, got off trail to go. BR. I don't know what that stands for. Bathroom. Bathroom. Bath- oh. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> now lost. Can you call AMC to see if a trail maintainer can help me? Somewhere north of Woods Road, XOX. Um, the next day, she tried to text again at 4.18 p.m. Lost since yesterday. Off trail three or four miles. Call police for what to do, please. XOX. Neither of the texts got through due to poor service, which is why you shouldn't entirely rely on your cell phone or your GPS in this mm-hmm. kind of situation. You should be able to be confident and, yeah, you know, have some survival knowledge. So the first entries in the journal describe how she spent two days wandering after a wrong turn across the stream and how she had tried to find ridges to regain a sense of place. Um, On August 6th, two weeks after she had lost her way, Jerry wrote, when you find my body, please call my husband, George, and my daughter, Carrie. It will be the greatest kindness for them to know that I am dead where you found me, no matter how many years from now. Please find it in your heart to mail the contents of this bag to one of them. Entries continued until August 18th, nearly a month after her disappearance, but investigators are not sure if the date is correct or not. Um, Investigators estimate that she had survived a month after she went missing and likely died of exposure. Jeez. That's sad. Uh, Like to bring it down. I'm sorry. But this this one haunts me and it's genuinely terrifying. Um, So let's kind of get into, you know, some of I have the questions yeah yeah um so in their most recent public statement the family thanked the warden service for their dedication to this case became apparent from day one that this was personal to them and they would not rest until jerry was found the family asked for privacy as we continue our grieving process with this new chapter of closure at the site the family has placed a cross where jerry's tent once stood the camp was less than two miles from the at yeah that's so sad. I'm looking yeah. at your map here where it yeah. points everything. I'll show it you in a was, minute. It was very, very close to the trail. Yeah. Um, and also, my other point slash question is, like, I was always kind of told to, like, if you find a stream, kind of more or less walk along it because it will eventually lead you to a road. Yeah. Is, is that wrong? Um, that can be a good option if you're running out of options, but, and I think this is the case with her, one of, one of the most common survival tips, if you're looking to be found is to stay put. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's um, very true. Yeah. And if we have enough time, I'll tell you a successful, uh, rescue story in which similar things happened and kind of 
Um, but we'll see if we have enough time for that. But yeah, because um, the whole stream walking thing, like in this map, these two streams don't connect to the mm -hmm. road. But like, mm -hmm. well, there's a longer stream that connects to the road, and the shorter stream that she was on doesn't connect to the longer stream that connects to the road. Right. That makes sense. So, and it yeah. depends too if, you know, she's 66 years old. She's not necessarily somebody who has, you know, survival experience really. You know, she right. may think it's a safer game to do that than because you might be able to get down to a river, but you're going to have to do maybe some more walking before you actually reach anybody who can help you. I, yeah, um, I agree. But the like the way I see it, too, is like you're at least along a water source yeah. and like food source. Right. And so I don't know, in my brain, it kind of gives you a little bit more time. But I also understand having to stay put when. Yeah. Um, you don't know where you are well as somebody who has wandered around off trail in the Appalachians or I guess the foothills the bull bull run mountain near the, our houses mm -hmm. our parents, where our parents live yeah um, we were on a project there uh we had a bunch of different sites looking at American chestnut saplings and herbivory on those saplings from like deer and stuff um and you know, we would wander around with the GPS to try to find them. And I got lost a couple of times, um, but yeah. I would always just follow the stream down to where I could find a trail. But then again, I knew that area of the mountain pretty well. Yeah. So, yeah. you know what I and mean? It's a smaller, smaller scope. Area yeah, it's than much smaller. The so, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why she did what she did, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah that is a valid way to do it. I mean, um, I have no room to talk because I definitely got lost in the mountains of Utah and had, thankfully, a satellite GPS phone radio situation going on. So I was yeah. able to radio my boss like, hey, can you find me and tell me which way to walk? <laughs> <laughs> I'm all um, lost. I think I'm walking in circles. I keep passing the same cairn all over. Like, yeah. So the camp was less than two miles from the AT and Adam... Lieutenant Adam wrote that walking south of the campsite, the dense forest became open woods with good visibility after 60 to 70 yards. And after another 25 minutes, he found a clear logging road. In total, the walk took about 30 minutes from her site to the logging road. In addition, Adam mentioned that he now knows that canine searchers came within 100 feet of the camp on three occasions during the initial oh, search. Oh, my God. That is so heartbreaking. It's terrifying that it can be that easy. I mean, she had, there were so many opportunities, but just because of luck or maybe trying to follow certain survival protocols. Yeah. She never ran into that's, that's how easy it can become. Or maybe she pissed off some of the little people. <laughs> oh, you never know. Yeah. Cause they're tricksters. Yeah. So the sources I use for this story, a uh, hiker who went missing on the Appalachian Trail survived 26 days before dying by Alan Juhas of The Guardian, and then Missing Hikers on the Appalachian, Appalachian Trail, uh, the Mountains with Megan, and it's a blog. Um, and so that's the story of uh, Geraldine Largang. So here's is, my other question too, is like, she went two miles into the woods to go to the bathroom? I don't think she went two miles. I think she got lost and went the wrong way. Yeah, oh. it, it kind of sounds like she got off the trail to go use the bathroom. And she probably had to go a little bit further off the trail to make sure you I know, see. nobody saw her. And then she lost her bearings 
and followed the wrong direction. I see, I see. And yeah. she was by herself, obviously, right. even though she had that other person take her picture. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the but why the buddy system is so important. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why uh, being good with a compass and a map is is useful. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but so so it just gives me chills every time I think about that one. Or even just like marking a tree in a way so you know what mm-hmm. direction you came from. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Haley, you want to talk about cryptid spooky what time? Might get you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, like I said, I had Googled Appalachian cryptids and a handful of the same ones came up. So I did not know this, but apparently Bigfoot is in the Appalachian, Appalachian Mountains. Bigfoot is um, everywhere, I feel like. <laughs> I know. I was reading this. I was like, I don't think I should talk about Bigfoot because I'm going to leave that to Humboldt County. Um, and I'm going to just, no, I don't. I don't. I mean, maybe. I'm, it moth, seems like it's man, a mountain moth, thing. Man, moth, I know. Man, moth, man, well, moth. I know. We'll get to Mount Mothman in a minute. There's a couple here. Like, if I if we want to keep doing cryptid stories, like a little tidbit in each episode, I can. Yes. Um, because there's also the the Bell Witch haunting. Oh um, yeah. When we were talking about like witches earlier and stuff. Um, and then there's also aliens, uh, yes. that date back to like you know before the Cherokees moved into the Smokies. But yeah, so I'm going to talk about the Mothman for this episode. Um, And I actually (laughs) saw this on, I don't, I couldn't find the TikTok account that I was going to send you that does all these cryptids. I'll keep trying to look for it, but I did see the Mothman on this TikTok account. And that was the first time I realized there was actually like some cryptids in the area of Mm -hmm. where we kind of grew up. And it's funny because like, you know, some places have cooler cryptids than others. And I think the Mothman is kind of like in the middle. It's not too spooky and it's not too lame, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so back in 1966, so fairly recently uh, in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. So this is near the confluence of Ohio and Kanawha Rivers. So it's really mm-hmm. more closer to, I- oh, I'm sorry, Ohio than it is to like the Appalachian Mountains. It's like um, the opposite side of the Appalachian Mountains. So it's like yeah. the other foothills, you know? Yeah. But I feel like West Virginia has a lot of uh, like folklore and stuff too. Mm-hmm. So um, we're in West Virginia. And West Virginia. <laughs> it was November 12th, 1966, when grave diggers at a cemetery in Clendenin, West Virginia, about 80 miles from Point Pleasant, claimed to see a man with wings lift off from a tree and fly over their heads first of all this is like setting the scene for like a horrible nightmare for me i would never be in a cemetery at night and if i saw something that flew over me while i was digging up a grave i would just shit my pants and leave also Um, like why if they're graved wouldn't it be easier to dig a grave during the day i agree (laughs) and so Right. I don't know. I mean, or are there still grave diggers robbing people back in the 60s? I don't know. Maybe. Um, so Sell they claim organs on the black market. Gold teeth <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so three days later after this sighting, two young couples were driving together near an abandoned World War II TNT plant that was about five miles from north or fr- that was five miles north of Point Pleasant. Mm-hmm. When they saw a quote unquote large flying man with 10 foot wings and eyes that glowed red. 
Good. They tried to flee the unidentified animal speeding down the road at a reported 100 miles an hour, but the creature followed them back to Point Pleasant city limits. So it seems like this creature of sorts has a a barrier of Point Pleasant. (laughs) (laughs) It's too pleasant. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They were so spooked by their experience that they went directly to the police and newspapers dubbed the creature the Mothman. (laughs) The national press picked up the story and Mothman became a sensation. Over the following week, there was at least eight more repeated sightings in and around Point Pleasant of a man-like bird with large wings. One account came from a volunteer firefighter who, oh, two of them came from volunteer firefighters, Captain Paul Yoder and Benjamin Enox. According to the Gettysburg Times, Yoder and Enox claimed to have seen a very large bird with red eyes. Others refuted the sightings, believing that residents of Point Pleasant were actually seeing, get this, a sandhill crane mm-hmm. that I know. Had wandered out of its normal migra- migration route. Which is here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we I'm have like, a ton of them. <laughs> I was like, I've seen a sandhill crane before. They don't, um, it doesn't look like Mothman to me. No, they're not, no, they're not man-sized either. Yeah. I mean, like, they neck. definitely have a, yeah, they yeah. definitely have like a large wingspan, but like, and they got the red head and everything, but like, I don't know. The body of Mothman is not the body of a sandhill crane. <laughs> Don't talk just... about body image issues. Like, yeah. if no, that's a right? man, then, <laughs> then I'm a hippo. Yeah, well, also, right? like, sandhill cranes are, like, all neck, and Mothman has, like, no neck. You yes, know? <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm like, I don't really know how this got mixed up, but apparently it did. Is so, yeah, they... in West Virginia? <laughs> probably, yes, honestly, they're probably seeing double. So, yeah, people refuted the sighting, saying it was just a sandhill crane that had wandered out of its normal migration route. Uh, But apparently there was hundreds of eyewitnesses, says Jeff Wamsley, owner of Point Pleasant's Mothman Museum. So there's a museum for Mothman, which Mm, now that I know that I kind of want to go see it. (laughs) There's a festival, too. Oh, really? That's fun. Mm -hmm. Born and raised in town, Wamsley was only five years old when the Mothman showed up and began terrorizing his neighbors. Over the following year. The oddities continued. Reports of UFOs and suspicious men in black began streaming to the Point Pleasant authorities, and the Mothman sightings continued. Then, 10 days before Christmas in 1967, tragedy struck. While the silver bridge that connected Point Pleasant to Gallipolis, Ohio, was teeming with rush hour traffic, the bridge collapsed, killing 46 people. Reportedly, some claimed to have seen the Mothman at the bridge shortly before its collapse and it believed its presence was a harbinger of doom. Yes, forerunner. Yeah. It's a forerunner. <laughs> the fact that the UFO sightings, men in black presence, and the Silver Bridge disaster all happened during the Mothman sightings intrigues many people, says Wamsley. It's a fascinating turn of events for a small town like Point Pleasant. Mm-hmm. For his part, Wamsley does believe that people of Point Pleasant encountered something out of the ordinary. And quote, I just don't believe that many people could have made up the same story, says Wamsley. And then another quote, but what what it was they saw, I don't believe will ever be truly explained or solved. Mm-hmm. And so that's the short story of the Mothman cryptid that resides in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I feel like Mothman is very, like, he's not necessarily an evil entity. Mm-mm. I think he's more of like a protect 
not a protector, but like he's forerunner. Just like mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think he's necessarily like out to eat people, which is what yeah. I like about that cryptid. Yeah, he's he's benign. He's not yeah. necessarily benevolent. He's not necessarily maleficent. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of I'm gonna say I don't really believe in cryptids, but I love cryptid lore. <laughs> I love yeah. it so much. Um, do you have anything to add? Uh, well, uh, just the Mothman Festival started yes. in 2002. Oh, very recent. Um, yeah, so Point Pleasant, uh, they do a moth. It's the third weekend of September. Uh, they do a festival. And in 2002 is when they made a 12-foot-tall metallic statue. I've seen that statue. And it, uh, and then, yeah, the, the Museum and Research Center opened in 2005. What? That's for cool. researching Mothman? The Mothman Museum and Research Center opened in 2005 and is run by Jeff Wamsley. No, oh, no, that guy. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, there's like a Mothman pancake eating contest. Oh, my God. I want to go. So, I'm like, <laughs> is that like you dress up as Mothman, eat pancakes, or the pancakes shaped like Mothman? Yeah. Like, what like, is it? I want to know. They better have a yeah. Mothman costume contest. That would be rad. They got hayride tours focusing on the noble areas of Point Pleasant, which makes me wonder: Do they take the hayride like over the where bridge? They, where they were like over the new bridge and like, <laughs> hey, over there, a ton of people died. There's still cars in the river. <laughs> Keep all yeah. hands and feet oh inside God. the vehicle. Am I right? <laughs> um, but yeah, they have like guest speakers, vendor exhibits. Yeah, sounds like a good yes. time. That's so funny. I love how they just lean into the the lore of Mothman oh, in yeah. that area. Makes sense. The statue I mean, looks really cool. They have yeah. it. So it's funny because when I was Googling hey, something. You've already seen it. I was about to show you a picture. But I you know, but it. she's talking. Sorry. It's fine. Oh, you're good. I was, re- I was reading for a book and I forgot we're sharing it. No, you're good. <laughs> um, uh the mothman uh statue the silver statue is on this website from west virginia university's library so it's libguides.wvu.edu and backslash halloween backslash monsters so (laughs) i just love the fact that even west virginia university has stuff on mothman oh yeah also that statue is thick have you seen its ass uh, no, I just see the front. It's it's ripped on the abs, though. It's definitely the, got a the butt is back. like statuesque. Like uh, it's only it's only a view from the front. Hold on, go go look up Mothman ass. No, I think <laughs> safe search, safe search. Yeah, but yeah. I think so I've seen head... a tick. I think I've seen a TikTok where somebody came up and like smacked its butt. That's funny. I could see someone doing that on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Look at um... that ass. Yep. Where are you? I'm on my website. Just look uh, Mothman statue butt. I do that on my phone because I'm on my laptop <laughs> right now. Probably not the best to that, that boy. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody somebody <laughs> spent a little too much time on that portion. <laughs> do you think they referenced like they asked people to come in and look at the statue to see if it matched what they thought? And some guy was like, no, you need a bigger butt. <laughs> oh yeah, look at his butt. Wow. Yep. They got like the crack and everything in there. Right. <laughs> so beautiful. So I wonder they if they really brought paid in like, attention to detail. Like I wonder if they brought in one of the grave diggers and the grave diggers were like, no, 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 no. It looks good, but that butt, it needs to be more pronounced. It was fit. It's got like dim, like muscle dimples yeah. in it. It does. Like, <laughs> like that butt needs to look like I can slap it and it'll shake. Oh my goodness. That is so wild. Yeah. Um, Americans. Sex sells. I can't. <laughs> yeah 
but anyway, my um uh, my source for this before I forget, it's blueridgeoutdoors.com. So Okay. <laughs> that's, that's where I found all all that stuff on. And I'm um, gonna give you my sources for all of my AT trail um information. Um do 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 okay. Uh so I went on the Appalachian Trail Conservancy site. That's where I got a lot of this information. Um the 10 highest peaks on the Appalachian Trail by Steve Burge on AppalachianTrail.com. That's where I got all the info on all of the tallest mountains from mostly in like North Carolina and Tennessee. And then Nine Fantastic Hiker Traditions on the Appalachian Trail uh, by Kenny Howell on the trek.co. Um, so yeah, that's uh, those are my sources. Nice. All right. Well, we've been doing this for uh, two hours. This was a fun yeah. one, other than mine. Like mine was one. so sad, but... <laughs> Like well, mine involved burning puppies. So that's true. Yours is more fucked up yeah. than mine. People burning died pup- in my story too. I mean, that's true. A whole them. bridge full of people died. Yeah. So uh, that's fine though. With that, and that happened IRL. It's not like yeah. war or anything that yeah. did happen. Um. So uh, let's uh, talk about happy things. Happy things. <laughs> Corey, go you go first. We don't know your happy things. Happy things. Yeah. Do I have happy things? My happy thing is tomorrow we're finally, it's finally gotten cool enough. Isn't it so nice? It's like 60s, 70s in the morning. It does get up to 80s during the day, but like that's cool for us. Yeah. That's cool. So I was going to say, I don't know if anybody listening knows how like hot as hell our areas are. So when it drops to like 70s, it's like so So, nice. So nice. So nice. Um, So we're going to go and do part of the Victoria paddling trail on the Guadalupe oh, cool. river tomorrow. And nice. I haven't done any freshwater paddling in a long time. So I'm pretty excited. And we get to go to this restaurant called the pump house, which has such amazing food and drinks and it overlooks the river and it's like really pretty. So that's my, and there's a, there's a pullout point right there for us to so convenient. Yeah. <laughs> they should nice. be serving us a cocktail as we get out of our kayaks. Really? That's, how that's awesome. That and uh, we're going to go to Florida soon. Yeah. yeah. Two weeks, you said, hopefully, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good over there. Yeah. So uh, what's your happy thing? I don't know. Gill nets are going well. Like we, we've only had two really bad things where, where one team kind of got screwed by the weather and almost mm-hmm. lost a gill net off the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost a trawl because we got it hooked under like a capped off pipe. Oh no, that sucks. So, that sucked, but I mean, okay, yeah. yeah. So it's no one's gotten injured, so it's been good so far. Yeah. What about you? Uh, happy things. Um, well, tonight is my second night of scaring little kids at the Big Pine Haunted House. Ooh. So <laughs> I am dressed as a shark bitten uh, diver. Our our little area is Jaws themed, so nice. like, everybody's like in fake blood and my boss had bought this like I called it a meat suit but it's like it goes over your head and it like ties around your back and it's like made of like that Halloween plasticky fleshy material and it's yeah. just like all like organs like it's like oh if God. someone just like skinned your front half <laughs> we need a picture yes oh I'll send you one I took one of myself last night um and so yeah that's that's what we did last night and I'm doing that again tonight and it's only for like a couple of hours, but it's so funny because we also have like um, an air tank with us. So one mm-hmm. girl last night was like sitting in the corner and like when people walked around the corner, she like would turn it on and it like hit them with the air and they're like, ah! <laughs> like, 
And I like, I was trying to like scream and be like, help me, help me, get out of the water. Like, there's been a shark. (laughs) And like scream and stuff. But like, when I would look over at my other coworkers screaming, I was just like cracking up. I thought it was the funniest thing. (laughs) I was like, I am not a good person for this because I just keep laughing. And like, or like, if I see someone get scared, I'm like, then I start thinking it's funny. I laugh. And, um, another one of our coworkers came through the haunted house last night and she like you know pointed at one of our coworkers like haha and then she didn't see the girl in the corner with the air tank and she got her and she's like oh my god like we're like yeah we got you <laughs> god I, um, I miss a haunted house wish we had one close enough to us so we could go to but we don't yeah that's all right um i mean this one is very like low-key it's probably like you guys would probably like laugh if you like watch oh it yeah because it's just like it's just nice like it's like like they get local organizations like you know my organization does it. There's another organization called Sea Camp. Their their theme is like a underwater coral, like mermaid, like dead mermaid type of theme. And you know what I mean? Yeah, no, this but, one though. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's cute and it's fun. It's for the kids and it's at the park and it's like in the park building. So like mm-hmm. they just kind of put up these like fabricated walls within like their one large room. And so it's just kind of like a little yeah. maze and you have like an eight by eight space. To like have your little setup it's not like yeah. too large or anything there's probably like seven seven rooms that people walk and um but yeah so i'm doing that tonight and then also this big old cardboard box behind me is the new desk for this room so <laughs> so i can get this room in shape and my dad won't freak out when he comes <laughs> all right well cool 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 so we're gonna continue the spooky stuff next week with an american classic and it is going to be two weeks of intensity it's going to be a two-parter um so get ready um so where can our listeners find us our listeners can find us on any social media platform like Instagram and Twitter. So I guess not any, just the two. Um, at per, or I almost started saying my organization's Instagram. We're at Mother Nature Will Kill You Podcast on Instagram. And we are at MNWKY Podcast on Twitter. Um, and we have a website, Mother Nature Will Kill You Podcast.com. And yeah, we stream on all streaming sites. So Spotify. Apple, Google, what have you. Um, if you uh, want to submit your own survival story where you've had a spooky encounter or something that you were uncomfortable with on the trail or on a boat, um, or if you got lost on the AT or even just hiked the AT, we want to hear about it. Um, and apparently that's a somewhat attain- obtainable goal. So for once, my... <laughs> little thing here actually works um so we want to hear about it and you can send that um we have a submission page on our website um where you can submit your story or you can submit it to our gmail which is mother nature will kill you podcast at gmail.com um and if you want to help out the podcast but you don't want to spend any money because we live in a capitalist hellscape you can um, give us a five-star review on any of our listening platforms to help bump us up the charts. Okay, so with that, we're going to wrap up this bad boy, but spooky season is definitely not over. And honestly, we may revisit the AT because there are so many stories. Um, I was listening to the podcast about the murders that happened there. Yeah, that's a that's a big story that not necessarily like mother nature will kill you kind of material but it's still really interesting to do creepy people on hiking trails and made me realize like 
and also yeah. this quick, but it made me realize like how I don't know ignorant I am to hiking safety when it comes to serial killers. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always like, oh, I'll go walk this trail. It's fine. Like, yeah. it's safe. It's outdoors. And then, mm-hmm. like, the one I was listening to, two girls got murdered. So. Yeah. So That's maybe that. we'll revisit it. Um. But so um, with that. Um, until next time, stay safe, but most of all, stay curious, explorers. See you later. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.